0: My name is Michael Scott, welcome to my world and prepare to be awakened.
1: Episode 13 of Awakenings. Hi, I'm Jamie.
2: Jeff. Sean.
1: And Chris. And welcome to episode 13. Today we have a very special guest. Michael Scott is here to answer your questions. But first, we have some really big news to talk about.
3: Wait, he's here? I mean, he's like in the building?
1: He's in the building.
3: Wow. He's in the airwaves. That's (laughs) awesome.
1: (laughs) Yes, in the airwaves. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Are we gonna to have to like right. call call through the uh, the aether to uh, to to get in contact with him with the, the crackling noise?
1: Oh, it thing? has been taken care of.
3: <laughs> so, so, so we got the the countdown text already and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. So, so we have a little bit to talk about uh, some news then.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you uh, you've all already seen because we've had it on the portal and Michael posted it on the forums. The big movie deal release. Um, yes. We we have a producer, and a, it a, is Lorenzo Di Bonaventura of, I guess, his probably biggest movie recently. It's got to be transformed. The series, yeah, the one and two. Yeah, he produced both, both of those, yeah. yeah. Um, he had G.I. Joe. He, seemed, he has a lot of the fantasy kind of style movies, which he seems to have an eye for those which is great, you know. Yeah.
3: For for us. And you know, I mean, for my kind like, series
2: is 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 great, and, you know. The ones that aren't fantasy science fictiony kind of things are action movies.
1: Which right? I'm excited so, about because I like which, good effects. Which is
3: both. Both right. we, yeah, we look at Transformers. I mean, you know, that's like the biggest effect movie of of all time. Yeah. You know, I mean, like every scene
2: has I mean, special I mean, I, I hope this this movie does not uh, end. Up with a lot of sound effects that take away from all the rest of the movie, though. Special effects. Well, that's with Transformers, it was. When well, you said sound effects. Clanging metal. Well, yeah, sound effects. Oh, okay. The, I'm the, sorry. <laughs> the transformers and everything. I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> okay, I see. You couldn't. You
3: couldn't. You couldn't hear because all the, <laughs> all the
2: noise. <laughs> you couldn't tell who was fighting who. You could have dropped a bucket of wrenches on the floor.
1: <laughs> Sean wants one, one of fact. those silent movies, you know, where they play music and then it just like yeah, switches sure. to dialogue, Perfect. so you can tell what's going on. <laughs>
3: Exactly. <laughs> the thing that's most intriguing to me about him coming on as um, as producer of this is this is the guy that used to work for Warner Brothers, okay? And he actually is the guy who headed up Warner Brothers taking on the whole Harry Potter franchise. So he was very instrumental in that, and that's very exciting news for this series to have mm-hmm. someone that you know was involved early on and, and had the vision to see. You know what? What Harry Potter
2: would be on the screen. So you um, know he's kind of gone off on his own as his right. own producer. So. Yeah,
3: yeah. He's, he's not. He's no longer with Warner Brothers, but he's got a lot of stuff uh, in the works right now with some big name actors, actors and actresses. Like this movie uh, Salt that's coming up, uh, starring Angelina Jolie. Oh, yeah,
2: he's got. He has a a big name list. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, Keanu Reeves. Um, he's worked with a lot of big names. Right. John Cusack, Samuel Jackson's been yeah. in stuff that he's this, done.
3: This new this movie, another new uh, movie in production he's got right now is called Red, and it's starring uh Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman, John C. Riley, you know, the um, what's his guy's name? Julian uh, McMahon, the uh the uh, Niptuck guy? You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that was on
2: Buffy. Not Buffy, he was on no. un- <laughs> right? Yes,
3: yeah. Yeah, that guy. That guy's an um, Sean, do
1: you watch Buffy? Yeah, that,
2: that's some Who big, didn't watch um, Buffy. That's some big name. I
1: don't know. Saying he watched
4: Charmed probably isn't much better.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd rather say I watched Buffy.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll move on. But have you seen
2: any episodes of Charmed? <laughs> hey, at least they had real vampires on that show. All right. Anyway, anyway,
3: big, big time, uh, big time names. This guy has worked with. You know, this is probably the the biggest person we could have got that no one's ever heard of. You know, I mean, literally, the guy is a behind-the-scenes guy, but he makes these huh. big movies.
1: Yeah, you know so, his movies. You just don't know his name. So.
3: Exactly. So it's He to,
1: uh,
2: had that Imagine That movie with Eddie Murphy. And, yeah. And, yeah, so his genre definitely helps. Now we just have to wait to see who he puts at the helm. Absolutely.
1: Let's move on to some emails. We got... A few this we month. Love I love emails. I don't know about you guys, but I love them.
2: Gives Jamie something to do during the day. I absolutely <laughs> love emails.
3: You guys need to send more of them in.
1: Yes. Send more emails.
3: Send more emails.
1: So our first email is from Tina, who is Fum95 on the forums, and she says, Dear Awakenings podcasters, hey, it's me, Tina, or Fum95 again. I was just wondering whether you were going to do a discussion on the prophecy, because I'd like to hear all of you guys take on the topic. It just seems really open for interpretation. I just wanted to say thanks for The Apprentice. I love it. It's really hard, though. (laughs) I can't wait until Thanksgiving (laughs) break when I can spend more time on it. Thanks for the great podcast. You guys rock, and I can't wait for the next podcast. Also, I'll be sure to vote for you guys on Podcast Alley. By the way, I love the Shakespeare reading. I would love it if you did more. Tina.
3: Yeah. You you know what? A lot of feedback from the Shakespeare reading. Yeah. So, you know, we may may look at Do more oh. of that, you know. We'll, we'll spread the spread the love around and have uh, you know different different uh, people doing doing different readings. You know, maybe I, I don't know. Let us know what you want. If you want you want more stuff like that, then uh, let us know. Drop us an email. Let's see here. We got another email from uh, Movie Buff. Okay, it says uh, hello guys. I'm Josh. This is my first time listening to the podcast, and I have to say that you have the best opening music I've heard. Thank you. It it is very good. It is uh, Martha Stewart by Enter the Haggis. You can uh, find their link on our website. But back to the email. (laughs) I'm I'm writing about the discussion you had on auric armors, uh, Shakespeare's in particular. At one point, one of you mentioned – I think it was Sean – that it was not specified in the book that Shakespeare generated the police armor with his aura. And actually he did generate it using his aura on page 205 of the Sorceress – he quotes, Shakespeare's aura crackled dull yellow, and the air was touched with lemon. A suit of modern police armor grew over the Immortals' solid mechanics overalls. So, yeah, there's the there's the specific quote right there. It doesn't say that it was a specific color, though. It just says a modern police armor grew over mm-hmm. the Immortals. So it doesn't really say what color it was.
2: I'm going to be asking later anyway.
1: But, yeah, yeah so we, we weren't sure if it was that, aura that's armor. All
3: resolved in a little bit. We're going to ask, you know. And we're going to ask. Mike. We'll
2: hopefully have an answer by the end of the talk. Yeah,
3: so hopefully he'll uh, he'll come in and uh, and and fill that in, fill in the blanks on that one. He continues on in his email, says that armor changed one other time before it became yellow armor um, he wore. Uh, while this may not be solid evidence to disprove that Pally has a black aura, this certainly proves that one can choose to make the color of one's armor as Josh did with his tattered leather gauntlets. That said, I like to congratulate everyone for a great show even if Chris returned to Hawaii in the middle of the podcast. Props I to wish. Sean. Yeah, props to Sean for the monologue. It was very good. Um, uh, movie buff. Yeah, so. Yeah, so there's a there's another good feedback there and people were also sad to see uh Chris disappear in the middle of the show.
4: <laughs> and gee, I really really wish it was to go, have gone back to Hawaii. <laughs>
1: I think she's got, like, a legate underneath her desk or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Direct to Hawaii.
4: I would love that. (laughs) Although, you know, would certainly make going to work in the morning, I guess, a little bit more tolerable if I did have a legate underneath my desk.
2: The commute would be like nothing, you know? All right, we got uh, another email here. This is from Emily, or Warrior Scatic, Scat Talk, Warrior Scatty. 17. Uh, she's a frequent emailer so how are you doing Emily she says hi guys first thank you for the last podcast it was really good as usual though it was a bit sad that Chris disappeared again I guess she bounced back to Hawaii <laughs> <laughs> I feel so loved everyone missed me <laughs> <laughs> while I was listening to the podcast I was out walking my dog in the forest and it was in the evening so it was pretty dark and there were there were a lot of low mist which made it all the more magic and then Sean started to the Shakespeare monologue. Wow, I have to say, it really took me by surprise. Not that I didn't expect Sean to not do a great job, but he did it very emotional and powerful. It was really great, so good job, Sean. Thank you, Emily. And I have, of course, voted for you guys on Podcast Alley, so I hope that maybe we'll hear more Shakespeare next time. I've also just started playing The Apprentice, and it's really awesome, so a big thank you for that. That's all I had to say for this time. A great thank you to Michael and to you guys. Keep up the great work. Emily. P.S. Thank you for help with the pronunciation of scat talk. I know that scatty is easier, but I just wanted to be sure that I said it the right way. Thanks.
1: You are quite welcome. Even though I, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so on our
3: uh, our Ouroboros countdown, there, Jamie, how much how much more time we got? Is he going to be calling in here soon? Or
1: yeah, it looks like we've got about thirty seconds.
3: Any time, okay.
2: Twenty
3: nine. You know, waiting what? around for waiting around for the big guy.
2: Twenty seven. 26.
3: And I gotta sit here.
2: 25. And I wait. I have to say 30.
3: 33. <laughs> <laughs> 108.
2: 99. <laughs> uh, I guess we can think up some questions in the meantime. Yeah.
5: Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's <laughs> the thing of I'm afraid And
3: double my gun. What? What is that? Is that <laughs> is that his time? What is that? Hold on, let me let me answer here.
4: I'm having flashbacks.
3: <laughs> hold on, hold, 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 hold on. I'm gonna answer.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm answer. Does anybody have any Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna answer. You
4: keep
0: talking. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, one and all. One and all. How many? How many are here actually? Uh, we've got Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Sean. Sean. Jamie. Hi,
3: Jamie. Hi. And Jules is here somewhere.
1: And we had Rachel, oh, no, but we lost her. Oh, there's <laughs>
3: You just kind of left right in the middle of our conversation. That was very rude, Jules.
1: <laughs> How dare
3: you. Oh,
6: I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: and um, we're trying
2: to get Rachel back. She, we've, she Yeah, we've, had we've lost her. We're having issue. the
3: same kind of uh, issue we were having before. Yay, Hi, here
6: I am. There you are. Hi,
1: Rachel. Oh, right, right. oh hello. And now that we've got everybody back in here, let's move on to some questions. Our first question comes from Lauren. Lauren
6: is Rachel's daughter, and she has a question that she's
1: dying to ask.
6: Hi, I was
3: wondering if um, Queen Guinevere was
4: ever going to be in the series.
0: If Queen Guinevere, oh, that's a really interesting question. Well, you know I've made several mentions of King Arthur. And we, yes. have Palom- we have Palomides who fought with King Arthur. I think we might hear a little bit about Queen, Venever- Queen Guinevere in the next book. Yes, I think that's a really good guess. So well spotted. Thank you. You're welcome there.
5: Nice to meet you.
0: And lovely to meet you too. How, how old, old are you now?
5: Um, I'm eight.
0: You must be my youngest reader if you're eight. You must be really smart if you're reading these books at eight. Thank you. You are. You have a good day, dear. Okay. Take care, sweetie.
6: Okay, bye. Bye. Right, good You guys, So, I know that some of you have got questions, so you might as well get them out of the way. Sean, okay. I know it's going to be
2: you. All right, I'll get mine out of the way. Hi, Sean. Yeah, you needed
6: a second invite, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, um, I'm pretty sure I know the... I, I'm ex- I have an answer I'm expecting to hear, I should say. But uh, okay. it's, it's been brought up on on previous occasions, but I have a question about Palamedes' auric armor being black yeah. instead of the same color as his aura. Yeah. As like with Joan and Sophie and uh, Shakespeare has the yellow armor and everything else. So why is his olive green aura create a black armor?
0: Because if you look at olive green in a certain light, it looks black. All right. I mean, I know so it's more speculation. Uh-huh. i've seen some i've seen some speculation on the forum that he he possesses a black aura let me confirm exclusively of course that no he has not got a black aura okay um, but they just if out. you look at there are various shades of olive green really really dark olive green looks black and of course he was the original black knight he was the original yes. Saracen Saracen knight so it seemed a shame to be calling him a black knight and then give him green green armor you know aesthetically it just didn't look good it just didn't look cool mm-hmm
3: so okay. on, on that, in that same kind of vein there, can people manipulate the color of their auric armor?
0: Like, oh, yes, they can. I mean, okay. we've had a, there have been a couple of hints in that. I think, you know, the really significant conversation in these three books thus far is the conversation which Gilgamesh has in the back of the cab where we get a lot of information. And he does say, well, he says something to Flamel, which is incredibly <laughs> revealing. So go and have another look at that
3: that's that's um, where he says um have you is it still meant or have you chosen something more appropriate
0: that's the one that's the one
1: Ooh. i thought that was having to do a sense the answer
0: is yes and we've also had hints we we, we do there are hints throughout the series where d talks about choosing choosing sulfur or particularly picking sulfur and whether it's how sulfur is an appropriate smell for him and in fact if you look at the chapter that i gave you the the birthday present chapter um there's a big clue as to why D chose sulfur in that chapter as well hmm. on the
3: on the black aura is there any mm-hmm. relation to people with the black aura and necromancy yes okay and that's all I'd say.
0: <laughs> okay. that's all
3: that's <laughs> all <laughs>
5: there you anything
0: any you can us? give us on the black aura? <laughs> Um, well, what can I give on the black aura? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm astonished by people are so are so obsessing on on this black aura. Um, there is, you, you, it will be revealed in book four, and in fact, I'm working on that chapter, or, or or I worked on it very recently, and there is a big reveal, and we discover who has black auras, and much more importantly, why they have black auras. But it is very rare.
1: Good. Do you your questions as well? I do. I'm still going back to this. Okay, <laughs> it's making me nuts. So the quote, when Nicholas Flamel had brought them to the Witch of Endor to be awakened, he had been fully aware of the terrible consequences of a failed awakening. Is this a mistake or was this intentional? Because we know that he actually took them to Hecate to get awakened.
0: Again, we come back to the conversation. Uh, The big reveals in Book 3 where we discover that Flamel and Adi Parnell have been collecting twins for a long time. So they knew what was happening. There is a conversation, which I will tell you now, there's a conversation in book four where uh, Sophie says to, for goodness sake, why don't I I just read you the section? I'm going to pull up this chapter and read it to you because it will explain. And again, you could do it as an exclusive reveal. And also bear in mind that when Dee brought the twins to the witch at that stage, he was aware that they were twins. He was beginning to suspect or, or more than suspect, I would suggest, that they were the twins of legend. Again, there's a big reveal in book four. So here we have a piece where Sophie talking to Perenelle and Perenelle asking Sophie not to do something because they're about to do something with Josh. So here we go. Sophie says to the sorceress, you planned all this, didn't you? And that's, I think, a very interesting Mm -hmm. statement. And then Sophie, there's a bit of text which I'm cutting out. I'm not going to tell you. Sophie says, you made Bernice employ me in a coffee cup, and it was a statement, not a question, and Pernell says, I suggested that she needed you, that is true. So here she says, when were you and Nicholas planning on telling us? And again, a little bit of text, which I'm not going to reveal, and Parnell says, actually, we were going to break the news to you in a couple of days' time, at the summer solstice. So there's a very long answer to your question.
4: Hmm. Oh, very interesting.
0: So does that answer the question, sort of, maybe?
2: Um, mm. it raised a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if the answer <laughs> Yeah, to a lot more. After.
4: Okay, uh, it's about Sophie and the doors memories, and I am wondering how much of her memories are actually going to start impacting Sophie's behavior. Like the end of the third book, when Sophie all of a sudden was a warrior that we had not seen from her before.
0: There is a big reveal about the impact of the Witch of Endor's memories on Sophie in that same chapter that I've just read you, because when Parnell talks to Sophie, it's the two women talking almost as equals. Sophie obviously is talking to Parnell with the advantage of the Witch of Endor's information and knowledge, and she's able to ask her questions, which really advance the story quite dramatically. So there is, an answer, there is an answer to that question there. Um, and how much will The Witch of Endor... It's, it's absolutely critical to the story that Sophie knows a lot more than she should.
1: Right. Jamie, do you want to start with the first questions? Yeah, I can do that. These first couple questions are from Megan Newman. And the first one is, Mr. Scott, if you could be one of the characters in the book, then who would you rather be?
0: Oh, that's a simple answer. And it's Dr. John Dean. People always think it's Lamel but it's not. Dee is a much more interesting character. And in fact, the villains are always much more interesting. And <laughs> I've written about D before on several occasions. and I will probably write about Dee again. I mean, I, I did a novel in, with Dee's hero. I mean, The Merchant Prince, which I did it, I did with Barman Sherman, is entirely about Dr. John Dee.
1: Next question from Megan Newman is, Mr. Scott, which character would you say you are the most alike?
0: The most alike? Um, probably D. to be honest. He was always intensely curious, had a huge library. Uh, yeah, it's got to be pretty.
3: So do you smell a solver? <laughs>
0: <laughs> only only, by the, only early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> only before you had a shower, right? <laughs> After the sea
3: This question is from Silvertouch, and he asks, We know that Clorant and Excalibur are sword, the swords of fire and ice. The other swords
0: make appearances. Uh, the, well, the other swords have already made an appearance. Because we have a, a line from Doctor Dondi where, where it is revealed that he already has those swords. I think it's in book, maybe it's book three, where D says that he already that he has already got the other swords. So he already has them at the end of book three. D now has all the four swords, which has to be significant. I suggest. Right. Just not on his person. I mean, he just keeps them.
3: The other he has the t- the other two is
0: isn't elsewhere. He's not carrying them out with him on his person, Absolutely. but I think you should be able to. You should be able to work out where he's keeping them. I think. Okay.
3: Has he already joined the
0: other two swords, or do the other two swords join, or just uh, Claron and Excalibur? I think D, D is as surprised as I think D is astonished by the two swords join at the end of. Okay. Uh, book three
6: but Shakespeare knew they would.
0: Shakespeare knew they would. Gilgamesh knew they would, um, which suggests to me that they'd already, that they'd done that before. It also suggests to me that Gilgamesh had seen them do that before.
6: Okay. So if they can be joined, they can also be split back again, then,
0: obviously. They can be split, absolutely, yes.
2: Is there a reason D chose to wield Excalibur primarily? Yes, there
0: is. It's, uh, again, it's, it's tied in with, with who is D's master and how he got the sword. Um, again, there's a clue very early on in book one or book two. I think it's book one where we discover how, where D found Excalibur.
2: Is it in part with how Excalibur wants to be joined with Clarence? Don't forget,
0: this is a story all about twins. And it's about relationships and it's about couples and indeed the swords are another set of twins.
6: You can hear the cook turning there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know.
2: <laughs> the next one is from Ptolemy and he asks... Since there is a second world tree, can Odin create or rather help to recreate a Shadow Realm or another world tree?
0: The answer to that is absolutely yes. And in fact, again, as a special treat, let me read you this section here. Uh, because again, we've had the clues. All the clues, as we're as we're entering book four, all the clues have already been in place. Okay, here we go. The two huge ravens, Hogan and Munin had arrived over London at dawn the previous day. Practically, I'm, I'm skipping some text for you, practically immortal, they possessed the power of human speech and had been created by the three-faced goddess Hecate as a gift to the savage one-eyed elder Odin. Now, mm. I won't read you anything else, but that does suggest to me, let me just, actually, let me skip a huge piece of text, piece of text gone, and I'm reading another piece which says, And in a place beyond time, on an isolated and seer shadow realm, Odin awoke. Ah so that's, so nice. fabulous.
6: fabulous,
0: so that should give you a clue what's happening.
6: Odin and Prometheus
2: it's mm. a combination,
0: yes, I think we I can almost guarantee you that Prometheus will
2: appear as well, but only to people that have gotten far enough in the apprentice
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that game was so hard, I couldn't complete it. it was too tough even for me. <laughs>
2: There are there are seventeen people that have finished at this point out of three hundred out of out of three hundred and five people that are
6: playing. That's okay, we've still got time to get them through, and we will. Although, if I answer one more message that says, "Why did you make it so?" fun? <laughs> uh,
3: <yeah. laughs> easy is easy
2: is not fun. The no. thing is, it actually is pretty easy, right? Because you wrote it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and Sean just like I making people answers. cry.
3: Yeah, I, I, I will agree with that.
4: <laughs> so this next set of questions about auras come from Budge. Is there okay. a color aura that is considered weakest?
0: Interesting question. No, gold and silver are obviously the strongest, but everything else is equal because that suggests to me that if it's a weaker aura, it's a weaker person, and everyone has their own skills and talents and attributes, and your aura reflects that. So, no, but if you have a pale yellow aura, it doesn't mean that you're weaker than someone who has a strong yellow aura, for example, or a dark yellow aura. So, no, all, all the aura colors are weaker, except gold and silver. But that's because gold and silver are wrapped up, and any black are also wrapped up in other things.
4: Hmm. Fabulous. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, question number two. Can the color of an aura be any color of the spectrum, example, bronze?
0: Yes, any color you can mix, a color red, you can have as an aura.
4: Did you know from your first thought of the series that you wanted to bring auras into the series?
0: Well, considering the series is built around auras, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Remember, this series was plotted in extraordinary detail before I started to write a single word. So auras were there, and most of the characters were there as well. Uh,
4: and the last question is, if the twins are indeed the twins of legend, why don't they have the rarest possible aura colours?
0: Really Although you sort of question. answered that. <laughs> well, I sort of have, but, you know, the question is, are they the twins of legend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so you're you're asking us? Consider <laughs> <laughs> so you know what you've learned <laughs> in book three. What do you think?
3: Well, of course, you know, you've got Gilgamesh uh, referencing the, the, you know, the two that are one as the swords. So, you know, you could jump
0: on that train and say that it's not even people you could certainly say that i think it's well worthwhile again we're back to the conversation the most important conversation in this series thus far is the conversation which gilgamesh has in the back of the car we reveal and later on when gilgamesh is awake is is giving them the power of 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 water magic where he reveals a huge amount more so you know are they the twins of legend i'm going to leave that up for you to decide for the moment
1: (laughs) so gilgamesh is not crazy
0: I don't think Gilgamesh is crazy. At all, Gilgamesh may be forgetful. He's lived ten thousand years. He's forgotten more than most people will ever remember. He's confused, but I don't think he's crazy. And he frightens people. Gilgamesh frightens people. You know, again, back to that conversation with 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 uh, in the back of the car, where Gilgamesh reveals that D is frightened of him. The question you'd have to ask yourself is why.
4: Hmm. I, I didn't obviously hear my Sophie answer, but um, I mean, the more Sophie absorbs the witch into her psyche to become one and that's been niggling around in my head too
0: <laughs> that's a dead end no they, I, the either the two that the two that are want does not refer to the witch and sophie cool i can leave that alone then
6: <laughs> so could you have two unrelated people with the pure gold and the pure silver auras that would still be oh absolutely those yes. auras from legend but like would they still have the power Or does it have to be twins to have the power
0: well consider we've we've had um we've had Arthur who've had a gold aura, we've had Tutankhamun who had a gold aura aura, we've had Joan who has a silver aura. They don't have
2: twins attached.
6: So Arthur had a gold aura.
2: Now, but he still I have died. a question. Did you use the word had on purpose? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Arthur Arthur had Arthur has a goal. Well, Arthur, don't forget, is the <laughs> once and future king. Remember, in your traditional mythology, in the the sort of the new Arthurian mm-hmm. mythology, yep. Arthur never really died. Arthur is on the Isle of the yep. Blessed, you know, UnEvil, sleeping UnEvil. until UnEvil. he on, on on Avalon until he's needed again. See, I brought
2: that up with the last podcast. Yeah, we
0: did. We <laughs> we talked about that on the podcast. I listened so, to podcast <laughs> on, on a flight. I usually listen to my podcast on a flight which is always interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> Do you ever uh, giggle out loud? <laughs> uh,
0: no. So then I have a question. It, to you. Is, he, is he making notes, you know? Because <laughs> you guys have to come up with <laughs> some really interesting... things. What, what is fascinating is to see how close people are coming to the ultimate truths, you know?
2: So then you, you, can, you can decline to answer, of course, but was that... Arthur that was struck down by Carnunos in the Palamedes memory was it
0: Arthur who was struck down? Yes, it was. Okay. But the much more interesting question is: is he dead?
3: Was, was that a? Was that a? Uh, well, obviously Carnunos believes that that blow killed him. But whether it did or not, I guess is completely.
0: Well, we do have the, the mythology. That, <laughs> yeah, we do have the mythology, but Arthur is born is born born away by the. The English equivalent of the shield maidens—you know, the women in the boat who take him off—so he mm-hmm. may be dead but sleeping. And if we're back into the Fisher King, you know, the, the 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 legend of the wounded king, which is always worthwhile investigating. And a, a silence fell upon.
2: Him. <laughs> 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 I, I'm just holding on to my my own Arthur theories here, and that's all. I was having <laughs> a
1: field day over theory. there.
0: What is what is the Arthur oh, theory? Gosh. Is this the one that uh, that Palomides? Shakespeare and
2: Jerome.
0: yes. Are members of Arthurian knights? Is that the? Yes, um,
2: essentially.
6: Might Guinevere is coming back for revenge.
2: <laughs> That's a lot better run.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Take a woman's husband away, you can expect the
0: Okay, I I don't want to reveal too much because it will give it away. Um, but there is a scene in the again another cab scene. know still a lot of scene. It seems in cabs. Because this, the story is, is so much, there's so much movement in the story. It's often useful to have a, a, a quiet moment where people can have a chat to each other. The Saracen Knight does talk about his fellow knights. And I think he may mention that in book three as well. But he and his fellow knights going into the shadow realms, which I think may be a clue. So this is Palomides talking to Saint Germain. And Palomides says... You stood by Will and I often enough. You saved our lives on more than one occasion. What would we be if we abandoned you? So you can do whatever you want with those two quotes.
2: Does huh. <laughs>
6: that your theory paved the way for the two kinds of knights to go against each other? Because you've got Kerninnos and the Green Knights, and then you've got Palamedes and the Knights Templar, Knights of the Round Table.
0: How do you know they're different knights? And I think maybe you might want to have a glance at <laughs> the or of book four for that one
3: the green the green man
6: the green knight is loyal to kurnino in the Crapyard. suggests that they're separate and again i mean obviously if, if they're loyal to kurnino and kurnino is attacking palamedes they can't be loyal to palamedes but Perhaps it is if you look at the
0: knights who are well absolutely because we will and we do have a hint of that because we do talk about the talk alpha and the talk modera and the gabriel hounds there's some clues there, and it's interesting to look at the type of people or the type of characters who are following Colonelnos.
3: There was a part in the sorceress where uh, the hunt is descending on Stonehenge and they describe some of the members of the hunt as you know having leaves for hair and tree trunks and stuff for legs and you know I, I kind of drew that connection to the Green Man and Kernnos through that.
0: Again, check out some of the classic British mythology, which will give you some clues there. And also the suggestion is that these could be failed experiments. Because remember, I can have a look at the very first book where Hakate uh, talks about the Tarka Alta. OK. I
4: have a some language related question. Knights are traditionally male and uh, female warriors are described as warriors rather than knights, generally. Does that hold true in these books, or could someone like Joan be described as the knight?
0: Absolutely. She could be a knight, yes.
3: Uh, our next question, Michael, is from Katie V, and she asks, <clears throat> she has two questions, actually. She asks, why did you use the pen name Anna Dillon, and what was your inspiration for these books? I assume she's... Those, you know, she,
0: when she says these books, she means the Flamel series, but the Annie Dillon, of the course, from your other. Um, I think I've i sort of given a fairly long answer to that in the back of the Alchemist book about how I came to this series and how I discovered Flamel's house. And I know we've answered it on the forum several times, but really, you know, the inspiration for this series was the inspiration for making it Flamel's series was was discovering Flamel's house. Prior to this, it had, it had always been Dee's series. It was always the secrets of the immortal Doctor D, because I've written about D on several occasions, and because he 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 is such a fascinating character. Anna Dillon comes out of a family name, and it's just a great pen name. If if you are choosing a pen name, you try and choose a pen name which is D, E, F, or G, or even H, so that when the books are on are on the shelves, they're actually at eye level.
7: You do Uh not want to be
0: choosing a pen name which is A, because people have to look up. Or Z, which is pe- so people have to get down on the floor. People don't do that. So you most pen names are in the middle of the alphabet which are at eye level.
3: Ah, didn't know that. Oh very interesting. Absolutely. And now I asked you this when I saw you at one of your tour stops. Uh, you mentioned yeah, you, you had, had all asked.
0: those questions. But we'll
3: we'll, we'll kinda
6: set up setup? But...
3: I'll, I'll readdress it so we can have it on here. Um, you said that, that Dee was originally your your hero of the series. Did you already have planned
0: villain as well? Yes, originally the, the villain of the piece was Machiavelli. Dee and Machiavelli were, were always there. I mean, I've written about Dee before. I, I did a horror novel called Image many, many years ago. The mirror, the magical mirror in that story was once owned by Dr. D. I did okay. The Merchant Prince with Armand Schimmerman, which is entirely about Dr. John D. It takes the character of D and moves him forward in time to the 21st century. But basically, what you have is a, is a, a medieval charlatan operating in the 21st century and surviving very, very well. And I did the first book, Armin, then went on to do the second, two books, I think, in that series himself. Um, but we collaborated still very closely on the series. Um, so D, I've always written about, but it was always D. D was always there. However, D is always just a little bit too dark for this series. Um, As a hero, he was always too dark. Finding Flamel was an absolute gift because he was the perfect hero.
1: Uh, This is from Cheyenne. Hi, this is Cheyenne, our Starcatcher29 on the forums. In The Sorceress, you described Machiavelli's elder as being a figure who had briefly ruled Egypt more than 3,000 years ago. My question theory is could that elder be set?
0: I very rarely answer directly, as you know, but the answer is no. It's not set, but again, the clues are there in the series. We do absolutely get the. We do get a. Um, in fact, I should even tell you the chapter number in book four where we do get the name of Machiavelli's elder the And there have been some very good theories on the forum as
6: well.
0: Actually, a, a couple of the th- theories on the forum are absolutely correct. Um, that his then the name of this character has been correctly guessed.
4: Oh, well, that's fabulous!
0: Okay, so on. Now, in my manuscript, it's page 132, so I don't know what that's going to be in the print of the book. In chapter 29 of the new book, or, of the next cromancer, you will get the name of Machiavelli's master.
1: So when we get the, right. the book open directly to chapter yeah, 29.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just get right to it and you'll get to the answer. <laughs> Unless I add a new chapter in the middle somewhere.
4: This question comes from, and I apologize if I mispronounced your name, uh, Nuno Morales Marquez. I have this question. Do you have any information about the release of The Sorceress in Portugal? Uh,
0: The short answer would be no, Um, I don't, because like most authors, I would very rarely know. Often, and I think I may even have posted this on the forum, often I will see the new covers and the new editions on the forum before my publishers tell me. The rough rule of thumb is that it's about nine months to a year after the English editions, Uh, because it takes that time for the books to be translated. Um, and, but Portugal has been coming in fairly swiftly. They've been coming in be- about six to eight months after the English editions. So if the English edition of the Portugal was in May, so if we count eight months, so maybe January of, 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 of 2010, something like that, or February of 2010, some, some something like that. The simple thing to do is just write a quick email to the publisher, the publisher who published the first two. And just ask them. Usually they'll be able to tell you fairly quickly. Or indeed, if you have a friendly bookstore, just go in and ask them because they should be able to pull it up on their computer system. But I'm often the last to know. I will. I will tell you that.
3: <laughs> Our next uh, couple set of questions here is about sense, and they're both from Budge, and he asks, would it be possible for certain sense to affect the mind in some way?
0: Well, surely all sense the mind. We all, all of us, human, you know, immortal, whatever, react differently to smells. We've already had a little couple of hints of that. You know, these, these smell, which was a very powerful smell, we find today offensive. And yet in his day, it would not have been offensive at yeah. all. So I think, yes, smells definitely affect the mind. I mean, and there are certain smells which are scary. We've had little hints of that where Josh, when he smells snake, is frightened because he's had his bad experiences with snake. Um, and scents serve as warnings to us as well. There are certain smells. If you pick up a piece of fruit which smells bad or milk which smells sour, you're not going to drink it. You know, the smell of sour milk is the first warning we have that milk is sour and you don't drink sour milk. So the answer to that is yes. How does it relate to this story? I'm not going to say. <laughs> okay. his, his
3: second question is, would some sense? be better suited maybe even enhance one attribute uh, example fire water etc or someone's preferred skill uh, example necromancy sorcery witchery that kind of thing would, would the scent enhance their ability to do those magics
0: no not in not in the slightest I think the the more interesting sideways question to that is why do we, we, we know, for example, now that Flamel has chosen his scent. We know D chose his scent. Why did they choose those particular smells? That's the interesting question.
6: We were looking for mentions of Scatok smell. We haven't found that either.
3: No, we found oh. she has a grey a grey or a but she's never she's never done anything to constitute I guess, creating a, a smell with her aura as far as using magic-wise that we've
0: seen.
6: That so does is that clear. mean without an aura smell she hasn't got the magic at her disposal that the others have?
0: I'm going to plead the fifth one on, <laughs> on that, but she, I will confirm she has. A, I will confirm that but she and Aoife, I know there's been some questions about that, I will confirm they both have grey auras. Okay.
3: Are they twins or just sisters?
0: Twins.
6: Twins. I shouldn't have answered that.
0: <laughs> well you guys can answer for me? I mean, often, I mean, you know, often you guys know much more about the series than I do, so it's great. It's a great when you do answer the questions from the minds.
4: <laughs> I really enjoyed the radio interview where you mentioned that the the young adult reader audience is, are, will be some of your harshest critics because they will say specifically on page eleven you said this, and on page thirty five you said that. Because that's certainly my experience of reading the books with with Lauren, because she. It's so focused on all of the sort of minutiae and she carries it around in her head that she'll catch something four pages on that I I wouldn't necessarily have caught. It's really fascinating.
6: Same thing that I had with Aidan when he read them.
0: It is the huge difference between writing for adults and for young adults. Young adults will read much more carefully with far greater detail than we as, as adults do. And I mean, we even find that on the forum where our younger members are picking up stuff, which we, slightly older people, don't. And the young adult audience is the toughest in the world. I'm always amused by adult writers who think that, you know, anyone can write a YA book because after all, how hard can it be? Well, actually, it's really hard, is the answer. And they are a tough audience.
4: They keep you honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they keep you honest, they do. Young know, adults have a very clear sense of what is right and what is wrong. I did a novel many, many years ago called um, The Children of Lear, L-I-R, which is a story in the Irish ancient Irish story of four children changing into swans. In the traditional legend, they change back into humans and then they die. However, in my version, they change back into humans, beautiful humans. They climb onto their horses and they ride off into the sunset. And presumably then, then they die. But they don't die on the page because when I was reading that story originally in schools, the children were offended that they sh- that, that, that our four heroes should have spent 900 years as uh, swans and then turned back into humans and died. It offended them. That's why, in my version, they don't.
6: Very interesting. <laughs> a lot of the children's fables are actually really quite brutal to the lead
0: oh, roles. Yes, yeah, and have you ever read Stru- Stru- the Struilpather Stru- stories, the, the Dutch Struilpather Stru- stories? They're incredibly gory, and the original Grimm's fairy tales are actually, you know, very grim. Hmm.
3: To take a step back, uh, if I can, I, I did a quick search on um, the effect of of scent on people's moods, yep. and I found a couple interesting ones, like uh, um, under the effect of energizing is um, tangerine, eucalyptus, mint, lemon, and ginger. Yep. And calming, we've got lavender, cedar, almond, vanilla. Refreshing, eucalyptus, grapefruit, lemon, lime, orange, mint, tangerine, rosemary. And romantic effects on the mood, we've got jasmine, freesia, rose, cinnamon, sandalwood. So would the effects on other people... Contribute to why certain people chose certain scents, or why they, like in the case of Josh and Sophie, I mean they didn't specifically choose their sense. That was kind of like more un- subconsciously, I guess they they chose their sense.
0: Well, I think what both and Josh have are, I think what we would describe as native sense. In other words, we haven't seen them change their scent. We haven't seen them alter their their sense. They seem quite pleased or happy or contented with their own smells. I think maybe the question is to look at the smells which the main characters have bearing in mind the age of those main characters and the era that they that they grew up in so for example to come back to D we have D choosing sulfur consider his background consider the time that he grew up in and then consider consider the smell that he chose
3: right
4: well, in to Go back to the conversation. I'm sorry, Jeff. To, to go back to the conversation with Gilgamesh in the cab and Flamel. Mint at that time was used to mask. Was used to hide other orders.
0: Absolutely. Now that's the that's you know really well spotted. And um, the question I got to ask you is, what is Flamel hiding? Which is the story we've had all I mean all along, right from the get go. What has Flamel been hiding? We, we have we've had a big reveal in book three that he and Parnell have been hiding the. Are twins? What else have they been hiding? And we're back again to the question, which you know we are we have been we've touched upon time and time again. Is Flamel and Parnell, or are Flamel and Parnell? I'm not sure what's the better grammar. The heroes of this series?
6: Hmm. Mm. No, see, I would say no. At the end of the day, the heroes have to be the twins.
0: No, are the heroes the twins? I ask you. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well. If Perronel and Flamel could save the world from experiencing the Dark Elders coming, they would have done, rather than have to risk all those twins. And if Dee could have thought about the Dark Elders without the twins and without the book, then he would have done too.
0: But we have the, the scene in Ohio where Dee talks about the paradise that the elders could make the world. I don't think Dee is lying. I think Dee genuinely believes that.
6: Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. All the wheels so are turning. Put <laughs> the there because he says he doesn't need the screens a little bit further on, does It'd be nice to have them, but he doesn't necessarily need them. So I can just Well, shoot myself he, my well, own he nose.
3: says, but he still needs them. He just he would prefer to have them alive, but he would use
0: them through necromancy if he had to. But he still needs them. Is the, what what he said there? Also, bear in mind at the end of book three. Everything has changed for D and everything is changing for D. Right, because he's kinda of had a, a fall from grace. He's had a fairly spectacular fall from grace. He has failed and failed and then failed again. You know, the future for D is looking grim, I would Great. suggest to her. Now if, if his future is looking grim, what does what are the implications then for, for D and what is the future? Oh yeah, what is the future for D is perhaps a really interesting question for book four.
6: Is there a hierarchy amongst the Dark Elders? It's implied. Yes, not...
0: there is a very clear hierarchy, yes. And it's it's not explained yeah. in this at the moment.
6: Is these elder the top of the tree or just one of the higher ranking ones?
0: The pantheon of any god system or the pantheon of any of the ancient belief systems, you find gods in various layers of control. But a lot of the major gods are more or less equal. If you look at the, panthe- the, the, the Greek pantheon, for example, all of the major gods were more or less on, on a level with one or two slightly higher up the totem pole than others.
6: And usually there was one that was sun and one that was moon amongst those. Absolutely.
1: The next question or set of questions is from Tina, who is thumb95 on the forums. And she wants to know, firstly, are all of the titles named after immortal humans or can they be related to the elders?
0: good question i have never thought of that let me think alchemist is flamel magician is d sorceress is Paranel. necromancer is someone uh <laughs> close is. the answer to that is no okay the answer to that is no mm.
6: Mm. Okay. no there's been talk on the forum hasn't there of um, the pattern of genders and the pattern of immortal humans good
0: i know that's entirely no no that's entirely I mean, I think people are seeing patterns where there aren't patterns, and I just wish I was that clever, you know. If I'd been clever, I would have put that in. <laughs> so I that's good
1: okay, next question uh, we've kind of answered. Uh, when will we find out who Machiavelli's or Dee's elders are? So we, I guess we know Machiavelli's. We'll find out in the next book.
0: Machiavelli's in the next book. You won't find out Dee's elders until the very end, the very last chapter of book five.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay. Additionally, is there going to be any Norse myths in the books?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's no secret, or maybe it is a secret, but certainly Odin appears in the next book. And okay. we've had Iggdrasil. We've had we've had the uh, Valkyries. Harkari. We've had the Desir, We've had the Nadag. Yeah, we've had a lot of Norse.
1: And the last question, well, we've kind of answered this, what gave you the inspiration to write this series about Nicholas Flamel and all these other mythologies all put together in this very intertwined series?
0: I've been building this series for many years. I mean, it's interesting. We, we most people know a little bit about the Greek myths. We know a little bit about the Roman myths. Some people know the odd bits of English myths, mainly the Arthurian legends, but there are whole bodies of other folklores which people know nothing about, and they're quite fascinating, you know, really, really. And I wanted to use some of those great stories.
4: And that's all from Tina. This next one comes from Aries. My question is, will you write a book about Latin mythology? I guess they mean specifically. And I'm actually not sure if they mean um, Latin as in
0: Latin America or Latin as in Roman. Well, I would go for Roman mythology. Probably not specifically Roman in the, in the way that we understand Roman mythology because it's been done so often and been done by by people who are much better than me. Certainly some of the Roman gods will appear in this series. But remember, the Roman stole are all, most of their gods from, from the Greeks and the Babylonians and the Egyptians. So in terms of, of mythologies, it's quite a, a modern mythology. We've had little mentions of Romulus and Remus, Mars obviously, Phobos and Demios are in there so they're sort of from Roman mythology but specifically Roman myth book, no, alone
6: okay. Is there a link in there to the Titans? Other than the fact that the Titans were parents?
0: Yes, the Titans will
3: be We'd mentioned like you see um,
0: the Yes, you will Yes
3: Okay. Our next set of, uh, of questions is about the twins and it comes from Budge and uh, the first question is did you know from the start that the whole story
0: was to be centered around these legendary twins? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was planning this series, that they were central to my plan. I mean, I wasn't making this up as I was going along. I couldn't make this up as I was going along because I would have got lost very early on. No, I've always known the, all the main beats and strands of this story. And the twins were central to this story because every mythology, every country in the world has legends about twins.
3: Two, is there a possibility that they, I I assume he means they, is the the twins, uh, Josh and Sophie, are of a different race? One that lives, but is born again and again in the exact same lifestyle, looks, family, etc., but has no recollection
0: of their former lives? I've not done any reincarnation stuff in this series, nor, nor am I going to. I mean, the premise with this is that Sophie and Josh were always ordinary American teenagers. Okay, go okay.
1: The next question is an answering machine call from Brittany, otherwise known as Spartacle.
7: Hello to my favorite portal casters. This is Spartacle slash Brittany. Yes, that's right. Because of all the Nicholas Small podcasts that are out there, you guys will always be my favorite. I've got a few questions for Michael, but first, I'd like to give a big thanks to all of you guys for organizing this, and that Michael is filled with awesome sauce for taking time out of his busy schedule to answer our questions. So, thanks again. First, uh, to Michael, you said, and I quote, By the time we hit Book 5, all the elements for the finale will be in place. We will, of course, have met many more Elders and Dark Elders. In that mix, there will be at least three characters, Humani, Immortal, and Elder, who are Warlocks. Unquote. My question is... Have we met any of the possible characters for the warlock from the first three books? Hold on, it gets better. My second question is, does entropy have any relation to ether? Entropy, or the amount of chaos in a system, increases over time. And we've been told that ether has something to do with time, so... I'm just wondering if there might be a little bit of a connection there. Well, that concludes my questions. Thanks again to everyone who organized this and made it possible. And, in an immortal fashion, until the next legate opens, this is Spartacle signing out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love her. She's great. Um, she is so great. And, and I actually got to meet Spartacle at one of the who came along to one of the signings with her mom. So I got to meet them both, and it was great to see her and put a face to the name and a name to the face. I you, she was wearing a Spartacle t-shirt, so that was a big clue. <laughs> yeah. <the tip-off. laughs> um, so let me see. I've forgotten the questions now. What were the questions? Was will entropy play a role? The answer is yes. Um, what was the first question?
1: you said that there's a mix of at least three characters Humani, Immortal and Elder who are warlocks have we met any of the three?
0: no, not by the end of book three No. Well, we have so met
1: I'm, the warlock by the end of book four?
0: yes well you you will have met a candidate shall we say for, for <laughs> war, war, warlock or war, warlockdom <laughs> warlockdom <laughs> okay, next um, one
3: let's start at uh, movie buff that is, would you uh, be able to differentiate for us the difference between a Shadow Realm and Otherworld without divulging anything from the next series?
0: Okay, I know there's been some suggestion that my new series, which, which I was going to call Otherworld, but which I'm not going to call Otherworld anymore. So the Shadow Realms are different to the Otherworld. The, the new title for Otherworlds, which we'll reveal again exclusively here, is going to be called The Earth Lords, E-A-R-T-H-L-O-R-D-S so it's the Earth Lords series and there is at the moment no relationship to the Flamel series there may eventually I may do very very tiny 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 links but they will be links just just because I'm having fun with it but the two series are not <laughs> related <laughs> okay
4: that actually covers the next question it, it
3: does actually because the next question is uh, will the Other World series somehow take off from the Flamel series or is it only vaguely related and of
0: course you just answered that so very, 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 very vaguely, you know. And I'm, I, I'm probably the only one who's going to see the connection. Mind you, you guys see the connections because you're better at it than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our next question is from Emily, who is WarriorScatTalk17, and she says, Quick question, which I haven't been able to find any answer to anywhere, but it's just if you know if you're going to Denmark on one of the book tours or somewhere close to.
0: The short answer is the authors, again, never, ever know where we're going. There is certainly talk of me doing a European tour, and there's certainly talk of me doing a tour throughout the Far East, which will be Japan, China, India, Thailand, because we've got a lot of fans in Thailand. um, And Malaysia. And and Malaysia, thank you. But the short answer is I don't actually know. And again, the authors very, very rarely know. I will probably tour the States again for for next year. I know I'm doing a huge event in Virginia next June or July, um, so that's already in place. But again, we the, the authors are the last to know. And and as soon as we have any data, I will post it on on the forum immediately.
3: Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to kind of paraphrase the next three questions into kind of one question because I think they kind of intertwine all together. This is also from Emily. She asks, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? And if you could recommend one place in the world to go, where would that
0: be? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, I've been to so many wonderful and amazing places. and I think each place has its own pluses and minuses. It's, that's too hard a question to answer. I mean, there's so many amazing places I've been to. Oh, you've completely, completely stumped Because if I, if I don't say Ireland, I'll get into so much trouble. But then again, I love L.A. I mean, what's not to like with 80 degree heat in the middle of November and oranges on the trees that I can pull off every morning for breakfast?
3: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and ha- I mean, ha- Hawaii is fabulous. Australia is beyond stunning. You know, there are some wonderful places in the world.
3: We know you're kind of pressed for time, so that's uh, pretty much all we're going to get to today. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out to come on and answer all the fans' questions and and be on the show with us. We uh, we appreciate it very much, and all the uh, all the time you spend on the forums, you know, it's just just amazing. That you can take out time to uh, to do that, and uh, we
0: thank you. Absolutely. Well, look, I really appreciate it, and I mean, I you know, most most authors or every author says they write the books for themselves. But, you know, I mean, I'm writing the books also for you guys. And also, it's great to get the feedback, this instant feedback, because what's interesting is that this generation of writers, my generation of writers, is probably the first to have immediate feedback from the fans, to get the readers' reactions. It's fascinating for me to see the questions, to see the responses online, and to see the discussions. And when I was awarding Gold and Silver Auras a couple of weeks ago, I mean some of those articles were just stunning. And by the way, why are they not i am I'm I'm still willing to award more gold and silver auras? People just aren't putting in yeah, the
3: let's, articles. Let's uh let's kinda of revitalize that and uh bring that back up, uh, Jules, if you want to and we'll we'll bring that post back up and post in it and say these are still up. And I think the kind of the feeling kinda of got like the that people felt like the, the initial reward was maybe the only ones that were gonna be
0: given out, so I know it says on there. Otherwise, no, that is ongoing. Yeah, yep, ongoing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run, guys. It's been absolutely super. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. We It was all so again. nice to meet Great you. <laughs> Great meeting you all. virtually. Take care. Take care, guys.
8: Bye. 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 So the podcast is done, and I've answered as many questions as I possibly can. But there are always a few that sneak in right at the very end. We have a couple here from Movie Buff and a couple from Fuzzbin. So here are very, very quick answers to their questions. Movie buff wants to know why do some creatures like the Jenna Cucculati and Cucubus share a scent, an auric color? And he suggests that's possibly because they're from the same clan. And the answer is yes, you're right. Scatty, can she use magic? If so, is there a reason she hasn't? Also, can you tell us what her auric scent is? And the answer is yes, she can use magic. Uh, no, she hasn't because she's had no need to. And can I tell you what her scent is? Of course I can tell you what her scent is, but I'm not going to. Her aura color is gray, which is the same color as Aoife's aura. Also from Fuzbin, the swords. We know Joyous, Clarent and Excalibur are all swords. Yes, they are. What element is Joyous? Well, it's a sword, which means it's probably metal or it could be stone. Also, any possibility Durindel Cortana is the last one, since they are connected to Joyous. Is Excalibur, in being the sword of ice, the one that represents water? Uh, no, it's a stone sword. Um, I will tell you that the swords play a major part in the next book. And, of course, the real question is, how many swords has D at the moment? Again, from Fuzbin. auras. We all want to know about the black aura. We, the readers, know that black is the rarest, although I suspect that we that we don't even know what that truly means, and the answer is, of course, no, you don't. But is there a reason that only Dagon seems to have heard of it? Every other character, including Hecate, seems to... That silver and gold are the rares, with no mention of black at all. I think they don't mention the black because it is the foulest, the most disgusting, the most dangerous, the most horrible, the most... Well, you learn about what it is in... Actually, maybe not the Book 5. Nick's Tattoo, again from Fuzbin. Nick's tattoo, we know Nick has an activator tattoo on his wrist that he uses to summon some light and flame. Is this a fire activator like Sophie Saint-Germain or something else entirely? It's a fire activator, yes it is and it's also something else entirely and that's it. So thank you for all your questions, it's been fabulous. Keep the questions coming to the forum, you know I drop in most days and I'll answer as many as I possibly can as long as I'm not giving away too much and um, keep reading, keep asking me questions and I'll keep answering them Take care. Bye bye. now.
3: Oh wow! Well, that was uh, that was really great to have Michael on. We thank appreciate. You, Michael. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael. All the uh, special guests that uh, you know jumped on to to ask questions. That was great. You know, real good information in, in there. Some interesting reveals as well. Which uh, you know, some of them I was kind of surprised about, but good stuff. Thank you, Michael, very much. We really appreciate that. On our next show, we are going to be talking about the twins, Josh and Sophie, finally.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> those twins. <laughs> yes.
3: No, not the double mint twins from Michael's ringtone. The.
2: Um, like, the what uh, was it, those two girls on the bike? Oh, yeah, the double
3: mint twins, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how they rode that thing. They looked at the camera and held the gum up with one hand all the way across the screen half the time. <laughs> it's his wreck, I don't know. <laughs> but... um. You know, we thank everyone for all their emails, and um, please, please, please jump over to Podcast Alley, click on the vote for Awakenings, and all you gotta do is get in your email. They'll send you an email. You click in the email a little, a little link. Bam, you voted. It, it literally takes no time to do it. So, you know, uh, keep keep sending those votes in. I know you guys can do it, and we really do appreciate it. Uh, that's uh, that's really all we have for this episode. We like to wish everyone uh, happy holidays. And we'll see you after the first of the year. Until the next Legate opens, this is Jamie, Jeff, Sean, and Chris signing off.
8: Michael Scott again. You all know that Scathach is the most popular character in this series. I get more mail about Scathach than any other character. So with Christmas coming I have just finished a short story which features Scathach and we get to see Scathach as she was as a warrior and it's a story which is alluded to in book two and now we get to see the story. It'll be available exclusively on the forum and it's my way of saying happy Christmas or happy solstice or happy yuletide or happy hanukkah or happy holiday happy something but thank you to everyone and this story is written entirely for you guys enjoy it and do let me know what you think it's called i think it's called the death of joan of arc actually
5: bye now